Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Opinion should be more than just a few hours around a table. It should be more than just some time sitting around in a, in a recliner in the afternoon taking the nap when you think you're watching the ball game but you're really sleeping. It, it should be more than just a, a weekend or a time where you gather together with a family. It's a holiday that, in my opinion, that as Christians should be a regular part of our lives. It should be celebrated on a regular basis and evident in our words, our actions, and even on our thoughts each and every day. Obviously, the holiday that I'm referring to this morning is none other than Thanksgiving. Now, I understand the reason why we celebrate Thanksgiving. I understand the history of Thanksgiving, but can I share with you this morning as a church that there is, in fact, a greater reason to personalize the holiday. There's a greater reason that as a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, there's a greater reason that the Bible tells me that it should be more than just a one-day event on a calendar, but it should be a, a daily activity or a daily part of your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are to be thankful and grateful on a regular basis, right? Let me share our text with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, always be joyful. Should we just close in prayer there? Yeah, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Would you read our text with me this morning? Always be joyful. No, 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 no. I want you to read it with conviction and passion. Read it as if this is an audition take for some big dramatic play. Are you ready? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, that's not our default. Our default as people, and even honestly, our default as Christians is not always to, to land on the joyful. This morning, I want to look at three attitudes, and I'm sure there are more than just the three, but there are three attitudes that as I was preparing this message, I really felt that God wanted us to deal with as a body. Now, normally a Thanksgiving message is all about thankfulness all the way through, and we'll get there toward the end of the message, but we've got to process through some, some areas that corrupt us or some areas that take us off course um, as a Christian. So three dominating attitudes that corrupt each and every one of us. Number one is this. Cynicism. Cynicism. Have you ever noticed that it is a lot easier to be cynical 
than it is to be thankful or hopeful. Am I the only one? No, I believe it's easier for us to to fall into this trap of being cynical rather than falling into the, the blessing of being joyful, of being hopeful. Why? Why is that? Because our nature is tainted with an urge to move toward the negative, especially if it's something that we don't like. Remember, Oftentimes, rather than moving to an attitude of thanksgiving, we find ourselves cynical of the world, cynical of people, cynical of situations, and sometimes even cynical of God. Unfortunately, this cynical attitude has not only consumed our world, it has slipped into the church as well. Now, we don't like to admit that, and we don't really want to personalize that, but how often are we guilty of doubting a person's heart change? We see somebody come to the altar, they respond to an altar call, and we we watch them walk down the aisle, and the first thought that we have is this, well, we'll see if that sticks. They've been an addict for too many years. They have a problem with lying. They're a big gossip. They're trouble. They're never good. They always cause problems. They'll never change. Let's see if this church thing really hangs on. Have you ever, don't raise your hand, have you ever been guilty of having that attitude? Sure. Many of us have. Maybe, can can I share this with you? Maybe we're the ones that really need the change. Maybe we've allowed culture to so corrupt us that we bring the cynical culture attitude into the church and rather than living the life of joyfulness and always being joyful, now we walk around cynical, doubting that anyone is ever really going to change. I'm sorry. Somebody's taking it personal back there. The word cynicism by definition is this, an inclination to question whether something will happen or whether it is worthwhile. Let me repeat that, an inclination to question whether something will really happen or whether it is worthwhile. In other words, pessimism. That's hard. Pessimism. That's a hard word to say on a Sunday morning. Do we default to cynical, pessimistic attitudes? I'm reading a book right now by author Kerry Newhoff called Didn't See It Coming. And in the book, he makes this statement. When I was at my most cynical, the thing that died within me was hope. Have you been there? You find yourself because of, maybe because of situations around you, maybe because of continuously being let down, you find yourself becoming cynical, and now it seems as if your hope is gone. Can I remind you this morning that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? I'm sorry, but my hope is not built on you. 
My hope's not built on those around me. My hope's not built on this world. My hope's not built upon electricity or finances or anything else. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and the price that He paid on the cross of Calvary. Carrie says, when I was at my most cynical, the thing that died within me was hope. How sad that is. Hope that the future would be better than the past. Hope that the next time could be different. Hope that my heart would feel again. Cynics find hope hard because hope is one of cynicism's first casualties. Which is stronger in your life? Is it hope? Hope for the future? Hope for change? Hope for your family? Hope for your friends? Or have you allowed this cynical attitude to captivate your life? We're not battling this life alone. We're not dependent upon ourselves. We're dependent upon Jesus. Again, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. We're not going through this by ourselves. But we have a Savior that is ready and willing to meet us right where we are and to take us to where we need to be. Kerry goes on to say this, the remarkable part of Christianity is not that we have a Savior who came to deliver us. Pause. When I first read that, I was like, what? Listen to the rest. But that we have a Savior who sees us for who we really are and loves us anyway. Wow, that we have a Savior that that looks upon our lives and goes, man, I know that you make dumb choices. I know that you do wrong stuff. I know that you sin. I know that your natural inclination is to move toward that stuff. But here's the deal. I love you so much that I'm willing to climb on the cross. I love you so much that I'm willing to give everything for you. That's the good news of Jesus. The thrust of the gospel is that Jesus sees your hate and meets it with love. He sees your despair and counters it with hope. He sees your doubt and he lobs belief back at you again and again. Cynicism melts under the relentless hope of the gospel. If you want to learn how to move away from a cynical attitude, give it to the hands of a loving Savior and watch it begin to melt under the thrust and the hope of the gospel. You see, the truth is, everything that Satan attempts to throw your way, God has already prepared to offer an antidote. Everything that the enemy tries to lob at you, shoot at you, toss at you, beam at you, whatever you want to say, Jesus has already prepared an antidote to resolve the issue. So how do we go about discovering or even finding that antidote? Let me give you the answer. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Not just your Sunday morning heart. Not just your when everything's going good hearts. 
But in the good, in the bad, in the ugly, in every moment of life, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Why? Because we can't comprehend it all. We need to grab a hold of God. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has the answer. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. In other words, rather than allowing your life to default to cynicism or questioning people, self, or even God, begin to rely upon God. Begin to seek after God. Begin to allow Him to take the lead. But you see, cynicism is not the only default that we fall into. It's not the only trap that we fall into. Number two is this, criticism. Criticism. Have you ever been guilty of having a critical attitude? You know, you you feel that things just aren't how you think they should be. Someone's just not doing that the way that you think that they should do it. You certainly have the better answer. You came in this morning and it was too hot in this room for you or it was too cold in this room for you. Guess what? It's always 70 degrees. Year round, a cave is 60. Our worship center is 70. Always the same. Maybe somebody sat in your seat today. Maybe you thought the music was too loud. Maybe you thought the music was too soft. Maybe you thought the preacher preaches too long or preaches too short. Maybe your neighbor causes too many problems. They leave their trash can right in front of your driveway. Maybe that person that you work with at work, they drive you nuts all the time. You're always critical about something. We allow the enemy to place inside of us this behavior that quite honestly is contradictory to the Word of God. Listen carefully. We allow the enemy a foothold into our lives. Because in the Bible, we are not called to be critical. Did you know that? Okay, let me prove it to you. I'm going to give you five scriptures, rapid fire progress here. Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I could stop there, but I'm not going to because you didn't believe me on the onset. You get all of it. James chapter 5. Friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you, you know. Number three. And don't grumble as some of them did. Oh, here, this one gets rough. And then were destroyed by the angel of death. Let me read that one again. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Are you grabbing a hold of that? that? That's good. Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up as fits the occasion, and that may give grace to those who hear. And finally, Romans 14, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Do you see a pattern here? We as Christians, we are not called to the fault to complaints. We are not 
to allow the enemy to wedge division amongst the church, amongst our relationships, amongst our families. But we are called to walk side by side with one another. Doing what? Encouraging, building up, promoting. In essence, we are to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Some of you need to write that down, circle that, highlight that, stick it on your forehead or something. We are not to be part of the, we are to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Oh, I hear you. Well, pastor, I just don't think they're doing what's right. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Complaining to others is not the resolution. That's gossip. And that's sin. Come on, pastor, I'm just sharing my thoughts. Well, is the person you are talking to the one that you have an issue with? Boy, there's like no talking. It's like silence. <laughs> silence across the house. Is the person you are talking to the one that you have an issue with? If not, guess what? That's gossip. That's sin. Don't create discord in the house of God. Don't create discord in your family. Work to build one another up. Yes? Romans chapter 15. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. If you're gossiping about them, if you're tearing them down, guess what? That's the opposite of building up. Romans 15, verse 5. May God who gives us patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other. If you're gossiping and complaining and moaning and growing, there is no chance you can live in harmony. That's discord. That's noise. That needs resolution. As it is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Accept one another, how? Just as God has accepted you. How many of you want God to accept you the way that you accept others? You guys are starting to raise your Oh, never mind. No. It says, just as Christ is willing to accept us. And how did he accept us? While we were yet sinners, Jesus died. While we were still making dumb choices, Jesus Christ willfully died on the cross of Calvary for you and you and you and me. So I challenge you as we're moving into this Thanksgiving season, take a look. What is your default? Complaining? Criticism? Being cynical? That's the arch enemy of Thanksgiving. It cannot coexist. So I challenge you, Stop complaining. Make it a pact for the rest of November throughout Christmas. Make a pact yourself. I will not complain 
anymore. I will not be cynical anymore. Every time you have that urge to complain, every time you have that urge to be a, a critic, every time you have that urge to be cynical, why not give God a praise instead? Why not pray for that person? Why not pray for that situation? Why not surrender it to Him? I, I challenge you to apply the Word of God. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You're going to be one, or, one of two things. You're either going to be part of the solution or part of the problem. You're either going to be the one walking and living a clean life or the one that's crooked and perverse. Which is it going to be? Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Pastor. <laughs> Attitude number three. I told you this was a weird Thanksgiving message, but you can blame God. Attitude number three. Doubt. Doubt. Maybe that's doubting yourself. Maybe that's doubting another person and their actions or abilities. Maybe you're here this morning and you've even begun to doubt God. Look what James chapter 1 says. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Doubt can and honestly will cause you to lose hearts of thanksgiving or gratitude very quickly. Suddenly you find yourself virtually giving up, not wanting to go through the motions, not wanting to, to work things out. You, you've given up all hope. There seems to be no hope. The light at the end of the tunnel is flickering. It's almost burnt out. You just want to throw in the towel. And can I just say to you today, don't give up. That's not what God has for you today. What did our text say? Always be joyful. Always. And we're going to get to how we do that in just a moment. Look at Psalm chapter 46. I want to read a good portion of it, and I'm going to kind of bounce through it. Um, beginning verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. And if you find yourself in doubt this morning, hold on to that. God's your refuge. God's your strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. When's he ready? Always. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar, roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of our Most High. God dwells in the city, cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored 
throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The Lord of Israel is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. You may be here this morning and you find yourself defaulting to a cynical, critical, doubt-filled attitude. I want you to know that God is here to be your refuge. God is always ready to help you. He just wants you to be still and know. My translation, I think I shared this a couple weeks ago, is sit down and shut up. Man, sometimes we get too busy. Too much happening. Too many distractions. And God says, would you just sit down for a moment? Would you just push everything else to a side? Would you just be still and know, I'm God. I've got this. So that leads us to our God-chosen attitude. You've probably already filled in the blank. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a way of life for the Christian, not just a date on the calendar. So how can I make a statement like that? Because the Bible backs it up. We've already said it numerous times. Always be joyful. It doesn't say for a moment, for a moment, for an hour, for a day, for a month, but always. Now on the surface, just reading that portion of the scripture, that seems impossible. Always? Did you know the original Greek on this word always literally means always it's not a trick question or trick statement it literally means always Lord the problem is we we misunderstand and we think it's always be happy and there's a difference between happiness and joyfulness happiness brings about the thoughts of Christmas morning the tree is lit the presents are under the tree You've got hot chocolate or um, apple cider or something going on in the kitchen. Family's all around. Everything is glorious. It's that Hallmark Christmas movie. Or maybe for you, it's sitting around the campfire with a, a cup of coffee, walking along the beach, throwing starfish back into the ocean. That financial bonus that you weren't expecting but suddenly it came through. That's happiness. That's a, an exciting, happy moment. But what happens when the toys begin to rust and the batteries run out? What happens when the pot of coffee is empty and the sun goes down? What happens when the party is over you receive a phone call from the doctor? Where do you default? You become cynical, critical. You become filled with doubt. But our verse doesn't stop with always be joyful. It gives us a formula to help us perfect this in our lives. Listen, I said help us perfect it because we will never achieve perfection this side of heaven. But we can move toward that, right? So what is that formula? Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Here's the formula. Number one, never stop praying. You see, prayer is the key that opens the hearts of God. Prayer is the key that grabs a hold of God's attention. 
But this idea of never stop praying doesn't mean that you walk around mumbling a prayer all the time. The word means constantly reoccurring, not continuously occurring. Are, are you catching the difference? Constantly reoccurring, not continuously occurring. It's kind of leaving the phone off the hook. Now, some of you millennials and below have no idea of what that means. But if you wanted to keep somebody on the line, you didn't just carry the phone. I mean, you could for a while as long as that cord was long enough. But eventually, you'd run out of cord, right? So what would you do? You'd sit the phone down. It's off the hook. They're still on the line. And you come back. Okay, I'm back. But you have never lost connection. See, that's what God wants in our lives. He wants this, this connection that, that never ceases, that, that's always there, this, this open line of communication. See, if we really want to get past our problems, if we really want to move toward a heart of thanksgiving, we must learn to be people of prayer, giving every part of our lives to God. Number one, never stop praying. Number two, pursue a heart of thanksgiving. Now look, I said pursue. Pursue. You can't just pick it up because your default is going to be criticism. Your default is going to be cynical. Your default is going to be doubts. So you've got to sidestep those and pursue a heart of thanksgiving. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. I'm pursuing that heart of thanksgiving. Look at this. Paul says in all circumstances. He doesn't say because of all circumstances. So when I get that call, when I get that bad information, when the money runs out, I'm not thankful because I have trouble. Woohoo! I got problems! Woo! No. I can be thankful in the midst of the struggle. How's that possible? Because God's in the struggle with you. Oh, come on, somebody. Look at this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally... That the creator of the world, the one that spoke life into existence, the one that knew you while you were in your mama's belly, the one that holds the whole world in his hands, is the same one that will personally go before you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. You may be here this morning. You're facing opposition. You may be here this morning and you have defaulted to this critical attitude. Nothing measures up. You may even be in denial that you have a critical attitude. Ask the person next to you on the way home, do I have a critical attitude? Don't do that here. I don't want to see that eruption. You may default to cynicism, a pessimistic attitude.
You may be full of doubt this morning. But I want you to know that God is personally going before you. That God is always with you. That He has given you a formula that will lead you right to where He wants you to be. So why not? Why not this Thanksgiving season? Trade in that old, critical, cynical, doubting attitude. Why not trade that in for one that lines up with His plan for your life? Again, Thanksgiving is not just to be a date on a calendar. For the Christian, Thanksgiving should be a way of life. It should be your natural response. But it's going to take some pursuit on your part. It's going to take some intentionality on your part of pushing aside the critical attitude. Oh, you're still going to have those thoughts come to your mind. But what do you do when they come in? You offer up a praise instead. There are still going to be things that you don't like in life. That person that doesn't know how to drive. They don't know that in Missouri you can turn right on a red light. I just about had to get saved the other day, I'm just telling you. This person from Alaska. I'm like, why do you have your car here if you're from Alaska? We're sitting at the stoplight. The stoplight is red, and they sat there, and their blinker's on, and they sat there, and they sat there, and they sat there, and then like 0.2 seconds before the light turned green, they're like, oh, I can turn red, turn on red, and they turn. I almost had to get saved in that moment. I don't know why I told you that, but that was my confession this morning. I got nothing. We've got to trade in that critical thought. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you allowed me to sit in this moment at a stoplight. But maybe you protected me from something down the road. Lord, maybe there was a reason why I'm sitting here. So, Lord, I'm going to offer you a praise instead. Because I can gain so much more in this 30 seconds or a minute and a half of sitting at this stoplight just giving you praise. I can gain so much more than I can complaining and griping about the person in front of me. Can I just challenge you? Let's live as people of God. Let's trade in the critical, cynical, doubt-filled life for one of joy and thanksgiving.